We are excited to say that this episode of Old Crumbs is sponsored by Dorset Cereals. And to celebrate, we're just enjoying a nice relaxing Old Crumbs breakfast on the slow with their brand new gluten-free muesli range. Oh, such a nice start to the day. Dorset Cereals have brought out two new delicious flavours. Their first is Blissful Berry, which has juicy cranberries, blackberries and apple. That's definitely my favourite. And Tasty Tropical, which is my fave, uh, with lush papaya, pineapple and coconut. Now both of them are certified by Celiac UK and they're also high in fibre and vegan. They're available now to buy in selected Waitrose and Asda stores nationwide and you can find them in the free from section. Now Dorset Cereals really believe that slowing down and enjoying the simple pleasures is good for the soul. And that's why they're encouraging us all to start the day with a breakfast on the slow, a beautiful breakfast bowl worth sitting down for and savouring. So now everyone following a gluten-free diet can relish a moment of calm with a Dorset Cereals breakfast on the slow. I feel so zen. Thanks Dorset Cereals. Hi guys and welcome to Oh Crumbs, Crumbs, the gluten-free podcast. With me, Sarah Howells, the gluten-free blogger. And me, Laura Strange, my gluten-free guide. Hello and welcome back to episode nine of Old Crumbs. Woohoo! I mean, I really shouldn't woohoo every week, should I? People are going to get annoyed. I don't know. I like the woohoo. <laughs> Old Crumbs listeners, do write in if you had enough of us whooping, but I mean, it's probably not going to stop us. No, we do love a little woohoo. <laughs> Um, Laura, what have you been up to this week? Oh, well, I had a lovely weekend break down in Kent. Um, I went with some friends to Ramsgate, which is like on the sticky, alty bit into the sea. Uh, is that a technical <laughs> term? That is a technical term. My geography, once again, is amazing. Love I guess it. the like most east part of Kent. Um, but yeah, right on the seaside, <laughs> really lovely beaches. And we walked along to Broadstairs, which is like, lovely as well. It's a place called Viking Bay. It's all like golden sand i mean the sea is the north sea so it's not like you're down in devon where you are or cornwall no. where you like, want to swim but it's um, maybe in the summer when it's warm you'd want to but no it's really cute down there lots of little beach huts really nice coastal walks had some amazing gluten-free fish and chips oh my word you are addicted to fish and chips aren't you <laughs> i'm really not do you know what ironically <laughs> i don't actually like eating a lot of fish and chips because i get a bit greased out yeah it's yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> That's my great English there. <laughs> but they are nice as a treat every now and then. So there's a place in Ramsgate called Shaky Shaky, which, just to plug my guide, is in my UK Fish and Chips guide. Uh, just in case we haven't mentioned that enough <laughs> in the last few episodes. It took me so long, Sarah. I know. So long. But no, they were amazingly clued up on celiac um, food and had like, gluten-free everything from like calamari. They had deep-fried gluten-free Oreos. Oh, wow. Ooh, and also... They have a stall on Broadway Market in London. So if you're in London, their daughter runs like a vegan stall here with lots of gluten-free options. So Because they do like a vegan gluten-free prawns, which are made with like yes. cassava flour. And oh my word, I could not get over the fact that they weren't real prawns. Yeah, this is the same place that you tried um, at that festival we spoke at. Oh, the so. Free From Festival, yeah. yeah. Which we should probably mention that there's another one in November and hopefully we're both Ooh, going yeah. to that. So Ooh, yeah, fingers yeah, crossed. in Bristol, come along and hopefully see us. And tell us to stop saying woohoo. <laughs> I'm never stopping saying woohoo. Um, oh. But um, we also had a really nice lunch um, over in Broadstairs at a place called Wyatt and Jones, um, which is like a seafood restaurant. And most of their menu happens to be naturally gluten-free. It was just excellent food. Really oh, nice. nice. So that's my oh. recommendation. I look forward to your guide. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to write a Kent guide. I think I've done Do it. it. I've done like a, 
I've started a new little weekend break series. So I've done like a Ramsgate weekender type one. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes you want to go away and not have to think about your gluten-free meals. So this is like what to do, what to see and where to eat. That's great because I, whenever I go away, I literally plan everything around food. So like, Mm -hmm. perfect. It takes all the stress (laughs) out. Well, but that's enough about me. Um, Sarah, what have you been up to? Um, well, a slight curveball uh, this week. I was, Ooh. you know, sat on the sofa watching Bake Off the other night when um, I was, you know, scrolling through my phone and, and something came up on Time Hop, which was an email that I screenshot from a year ago um, about gluten detecting dogs. Oh my God, I love that topic. I know. And you know what? They're actually a thing. So I have basically, through absolute curiosity, been Googling this a lot. And I've come across quite a few articles where actually in America, they do have dogs which allegedly detect gluten. So apparently they are like 90% accurate. I don't know what that's based on. (laughs) Okay, Um, it's not the best rate of accuracy, but it's a dog. So I mean, winning. So I was like, basically, these dogs apparently can sniff out gluten and they have them also for like other allergens. So they have like dogs that sniff out nuts in food, which I'm just like, my mind is blown. (laughs) Well, dogs do have excellent noses. Um, I actually had a bit of a, well, I say running joke. I was quite serious about it with my old boss. Um, I was trying to, I wanted to get a dog at the time and I wanted to bring the dog to work and... (laughs) Their policy was that they weren't allowed to take dogs into the office, so I told them they would be discriminating against me uh, based on my gluten-free dietary requirements because it would be a gluten detected. Obviously, guys, I was joking. Um, (laughs) Discrimination is an important topic and I don't want to take it lightly, but um, that was my way of trying to get a gluten office dog, but it failed. Well, I'm going to keep trying and um, if I do find any solid research, I will definitely let you guys know because... If there's any reason for me to get a dog, it's to sniff out gluten. So I'll keep you posted. Steve will have to let you get a dog. Steve, are you listening? Let Sarah get a dog. You know you want one. <laughs> well, keep your fingers <laughs> crossed for me. Okay, so this week we wanted to answer a couple of your questions as you've been brilliant sending loads in, which is great. Um, one thing we just wanted to touch on really quickly is secret gluten in products. What is your take on Marmite? Well, our quick answer is that it is not gluten free fact Uh, (laughs) sarah wrote a great blog post um about all sorts of sneaky sources of gluten um and if you're new to the podcast um have a listen to episode three because um in that episode we had a big chat about the sneaky sources of gluten and how to make sure you're not caught out by any of them um so if you are really missing marmite you can get um I think the own brand uh, Marmite in Tesco and Sainsbury's are gluten-free. Yes, I think I did mention it in my post, but I can't remember which ones it was now. It's definitely the Sainsbury's one because my mum has some in her cupboard. Yeah, and I I think it's Tesco, maybe Asda, I'm not sure, but they're on the Celiac UK app as well, so you can scan them in. Mm -hmm. Definitely Sainsbury's. So I'll put a link in the show note to that post because it's all about these sorts of questions. So hopefully that will answer your question in more depth. Now, Laura, there's another really good question we've been sent in, which I thought we could answer today, which is when you have a celiac coming around for dinner, what are the do's and don'ts? Um, yeah, and it's it's really nice to get questions like that when you, you hear from people who obviously want to cater for celiacs yeah. and accommodate like friends and family with celiac disease. Um, starting with the things that you should do. Um, I mean, to make your life easier, look for foods that are naturally gluten-free because then you can just make the same thing for everyone. Um, big dishes like 
chilli and like uh, jacket potatoes yeah it can be real good crowd pleasers and with those like uh, just make sure you're using like gluten-free stock um that you're using clean pans separate ingredients that haven't touched anything gluten-y things like that and then everyone can enjoy it if you search on the internet and blogs you'll have to find loads of gluten-free recipes that you can use and to be honest you can normally find a gluten-free version of everything definitely but we do appreciate that that's not always possible so if you're making something different for your guest try and keep the gluten-free food completely separate and sarah's going to tell you some of the things that you shouldn't do when you're preparing a separate gluten-free meal for your guest you should definitely not forget about cross-contamination because you might go to all the effort of getting gluten-free ingredients and then it turns out that you've maybe used the same spoon or pan so it's really really important to remember that and also don't just assume things are gluten-free. Like you might start to feel like you're getting a bit of a knowledge, but with certain things like stock cubes, sausages, there's lots of products where some are gluten-free and some aren't. So always check the label. And if you're not sure, just send a picture of the label to your guests because that's what some of my like friends and family Same. do. It's, it makes life so much easier and then they can also be reassured that definitely you know, you're taking their dietary requirements into account. Yeah, and that's why I was going to say don't be afraid to ask your guests if they can give you any help. So if they're coming around for dinner and you're not sure and you're worried, like make sure you just ask them. Like They'll be so relieved that you actually ask them about what they can eat. Um, and finally, don't feel like you have to make anything too complicated because your guests are probably so happy that you're actually making an effort to cater for them. They're not going to be expecting some sort of fancy dish and that's, that's what you're making for everyone. Yeah. So really like making some good, simple gluten-free food is going to go down a lot better than trying to make something fancy and it just doesn't turn out how you expected. Yeah, so as you mentioned, cross-contamination is so important and is a real pain in the butt um, for both hosts and for celiac guests. So, like, for example, like, at Christmas and stuff, if you're making, like, a big platter of party food and some of the ones you bought in the supermarket are gluten-free and some aren't, then you need to take into consideration, like, Sarah, do you want to talk us through, like, how you go about preparing it? Just because I know loads of our audience, like, are down on cross-contamination but some listeners might not be familiar with what it entails. Yeah, definitely. So if you were making something like a party platter, there's loads of stuff to think about. So you don't want to put anything gluten on the same plate as anything that's gluten-free. If you're making things like bread, you need to be really careful that you're preparing the gluten bread away from gluten-free bread, especially with things like bread and flour where you get a lot of crumbs, crumbs. they can get into everything and as you can tell by our name, old oh, crumbs. crumbs. We don't like crumbs. <laughs> um, so you need to be really careful. We're just making sure everything's really separate. And when it comes to things like serving dishes, you want separate dishes, separate serving spoons. Definitely don't double dip anything. No. And when it's like crisps and dip, I would recommend just getting completely gluten-free crisps so that if everyone's dipping into food, like just keep everything gluten-free and then you don't have a problem. Yeah. And like in terms of like the platters and stuff that you're serving on and the trays, just make sure, like you don't need a dedicated gluten-free one in life. Just make sure you've washed it really well so there's no like residual bits of food on there. The same with like baking trays in the oven. Either like scrub them really well and if you're not quite sure, just put some tin foil or grease-free paper over it that's like a really good barrier for preventing any like old Burton gluten from going off on a gluten-free food yeah and like one thing my friends have done before is they've put like little flags in dishes so like I've had my own gluten-free dishes where they've made little gluten-free like flag decorations Mm. or I've had like 
a corner where they've put specific gluten-free stuff of like a don't touch with gluten like banner and we kind of make it into a joke so yeah so there's loads that you can do but i think just the general rule is if you've got gluten food and you've got gluten-free food don't ever let those two foods touch exactly um and then should we move on to this week's guest yeah a really interesting one this week um, we've been speaking to David Towles, who is head of brand for this episode's sponsors, Dorset Cereals. David is gluten-free himself, so he has a real personal attachment to the brand's new gluten-free products. Um, and then as well as talking about his own experience and why he never got an official celiac disease diagnosis despite a couple of other members of his family being celiac, uh, David also gave us a great insight into exactly what goes into bringing a gluten-free product to market. Uh, We chatted about how long it takes to develop an idea into a product, sourcing safe manufacturing space, and the growth of the free-from market. It's been really eye-opening to hear some industry insight and to understand exactly how much effort goes into making products which are actually safe for celiacs to eat. Mm. And we'll also have a very special giveaway coming up, so keep listening until the end for details on how to enter. Oh yeah, it's a tasty giveaway this week. So keep listening and enjoy the interview. Today we're here with David Taus, Head of Brand for Dorset Cereals. Hi David. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Thank you for joining us in this very corporate setting today in London. Yeah, um, we've gone professional. We have, yeah. <laughs> well, it feels like it. Normally we're squished in my flat recording, all in a field with some sheep. So. That's true. <laughs> Um, David, we wanted to have a bit of a chat to you today about your own kind of, because you are gluten-free, aren't you? I am, yeah. Yeah, so we wanted to hear a bit about your story and also a bit about kind of manufacturing gluten-free products. Mm -hmm, No problem. So I thought maybe let's start with kind of your own experience. So you were saying to us before this interview that you're not diagnosed celiac, but you do have a bit of a backstory as to why you don't eat gluten. Do (laughs) you want to talk us through it? Yeah, so I guess that probably, so so about four and a half years ago, um, I was suffering from all sorts of symptoms that you would typically associate with celiac disease so I was um, eating doorstep sandwiches at lunchtime and being absolutely exhausted in the afternoon barely able to keep my eyes open Um, loads of bloating bad guts the whole kick of the stuff you all know and familiar with yeah Um, and I was like look right this this can't continue any longer so um, I actually bought a food intolerance test online so it's something called food detective and um it's like a blood test thing and it's got an array and it tests against like 40 or 50 different intolerances. Um, and it came back and it clearly said that I was both gluten intolerant and lactose intolerant. And I think there was something like about celery as well, which I was absolutely fine with because I had oh, wow. celery anyway. <laughs> um, um, so then what I basically took the decision to take um, lactose out of my diet because I did, to be honest with you, about four or five, five years ago, I didn't really understand what gluten meant. Yeah, well, because you get diagnosed and it's hard to get your head around what gluten is because we don't go through, oh, here's a gluten sandwich, here's some gluten biscuits, unless you're gluten-free. Exactly, so I thought it's easy, I understand what lactose is, I can understand how I can take that out of my diet, so I started taking that out of my diet. Symptoms improved marginally but really didn't make that much of a difference and I thought it was all to do with the protein shakes I was drinking and everything else. Actually, probably what it was was all the cereal I was eating before those protein shakes <laughs> yeah. in the morning. Yeah. So, um, kind of after a period of time, I was like, right, I need to try something else. So I, I took, um, started to take gluten out of my diet, and I saw a massive, massive, massive improvement wow. in a relatively short period of time. Energy levels were up, 
guts were behaving themselves, yeah. the wife wasn't complaining quite so much <laughs> at home. Um, so, um, and at a very similar time, my sister fell very, quite seriously ill. She was hospitalised, she lost an awful lot of wow. weight. And took them quite a long time to work out why that was, but they actually diagnosed her as, as uh, having celiac disease. Okay. Oh, right. So at that point, it was like, right, okay, that's... A, and then at that point, um, my dad then went, well, actually, I've been suffering for all these symptoms all this time as well. I'm going to go and get yeah. tested. So he went and get te- test, got, got tested, and he found out he was celiac as well. So basically, I'd already taken gluten out of my diet. The only right, way of yeah. me to being t- be tested was to put it back in. And the idea like, of reintroducing it once you've gone gluten-free yeah. and you've gone that. from feeling that, like, knackered, awful, yeah. all these things, you don't want to go back no. there again. So I was like, right, I'm just going to make the assumption it is hereditary, so therefore, if I've got two members of close members of my family who've got it, I'm pretty certain I have. Mm-hmm. And then, as a result of that, ever since that point in time, which was probably about three years ago, I've just maintained gluten free. And what's happened as a result of that is I've now started to reintroduce dairy with no okay. problem. Wow, and nice. as I understand, that's because mm. when you damage the lining of your tummy as a result of being celiac, it then causes you to not be able to produce the lactase that you need to be able to convert um, the lactose that you consume. Wow. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. so as, actually as a result of that, so I've now, so I was in Dartmouth a few weeks ago, I was piling in the Salcom dairy ice cream. <laughs> oh, I bet that was so nice. The, yeah. the raspberry <laughs> ripple flavour is absolutely nice. <laughs> well. um, on a gluten-free cone, obviously. Um, <laughs> and um, so that that was it, so nailed. So I'm re- really happy to say I can actually start having dairy again, which brings lots of puddings back on the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my mum actually is celiac and lactose intolerant, and she's right. like, oh, it just knocks out all the puddings that tip like, the oh gluten-free ones. It's so. not milk, it's basically sorbet, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's not a real pudding, is no. it? No. So, I mean, it sounds very much like you must be celiac, but either way, with those dietary requirements, I mean, how have you found it kind of working in the food industry? I mean, I know you've moved across to food fairly recently. Right? Yeah, relatively recently. I guess what it means is that I there's quite a lot of taste panels I can't get involved in. Yeah. <laughs> so I know everyone excitedly goes to go and try the latest, you know, the latest Dorset <laughs> cereal thing we're, we're, you know, we're developing and... Um, Sadly, in, in the main, I can't get involved in that, which is quite frustrating. But it also, it's quite good, actually, in a way, because it means that we have to take what consumers' perceptions are of the products that we're developing. So we research them with consumers, obviously, and it takes the, the personal opinion out of it. Yeah. I, so I have to go on what other people are telling me because I physically can't mm. taste it. Because <laughs> I guess we yeah. have that lot of we're reviewing products and we might say, oh, like, this is amazing, and someone else might not like it. And mm. yeah. we have to take that personal taste into account. Yeah, completely. So, and then before you joined Dorset Cereals, you yeah. had another business, didn't you? Related yeah, to so I had a business before. So I was working in marketing all my career as predominantly health and beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, I left, uh, I was marketing director for a small company called Life's Too Good, and then in 2016 left then to set up my own business. Um, so I was doing marketing consultancy on the side, and I set up a, a business called uh, Get Nourished, which was, um, high protein free from food and drink and the first product we launched was um, a high protein lactose and gluten free iced coffee nice which was yeah which was awesome it kind of ticked a lot of boxes we, we it kind of the idea came from my wife and I sitting around the breakfast table with a coffee with a protein shake and a bowl of cereal thinking I'm not sure we need all of these three can we maybe combine at least two of those together yeah. and yeah. um so it was um, a, a very exciting, you know, that was always my dream to set up my own business. Um, unfortunately, uh, I got it listed in a major UK retailer 
and um, they stitched me up horribly. Oh, so no. I won't, we won't go into the no. details of that for lots of different reasons, but yeah. um, unfortunately I had to make the decision to, to kind of put that on the back burner. Um, put it down to experience. Yeah, it's all yeah. good life lessons. Oh, and amazing, you yeah. Just do I've learned so much about me. I've learned so much about how not to run a business, yeah. um, what I would do differently in the future. Um, it's taught you resilience, all those sorts of things that are mm. good life skills to have. Yeah. Um, and I think all the best entrepreneurs fail first time anyway. Oh, well, that's what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> so did that sort of, obviously that was a free from business. Do you find that because of your own dietary requirements, you've become a lot more interested in food or have you always had that interest? Yeah, I guess I've always had that interest. Um, you know, I've, I've always been quite a keen cook. Um, I bake, I guess, more than cook. I yeah. love baking, making oh, what puddings. Do you bake? What's so like lemon meringue pie is probably one of my signatures Ooh. or quinn puddings. Oh, nice. Why didn't you bring us one? Why didn't you bring us one? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm so selfish. <laughs> 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 I'll send you one afterwards. Yeah, please do. Um, but, uh, so actually, it's been quite an interesting challenge to then say, with all of those things you want to bake, you need to now bake, at, at the point at which I was doing it, gluten-free and, and lactose or yeah. dairy-free, all of a sudden it's um, it's quite a challenge because you have to yeah. substitute lots of different ingredients. Can you still get products to rise in the same way? Yeah. Um, so, you know, a banana and chocolate chip loaf. And then I was kind of working out, can I do all of those things and can I get protein in as well when I was doing Get Nourished? Yeah. So that was, um, yes, yeah, so I've always had a passion for it, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. And it's quite fun sometimes taking on the challenge. You know, you're saying like trying to get cakes or bakes, or whatever, to rise. Mm. Like realizing you can still make really great tasting gluten free, lactose free, protein filled snacks yeah. and cakes. It's just approaching them differently. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And it's it's just about working out because quite often you can't just substitute the gluten free flour, for example, for the normal gluten flour. No. You then have you have to play around with other ingredients yeah. as well to get it to work properly. Then weird things like xanthan garden and psyllium husk yeah. come yes. in. And, and xanthan <laughs> jar, if you get that wrong, the whole thing goes pizza. It turns into just like a block oh, of it's yeah. goo. Yeah, it's not you good. approach with caution. Yeah, but, you don't small use too much. but it's brilliant in small amounts. <laughs> yes, yes, very small yeah, amounts. Yeah. Um, but then how have we found it now working as a gluten-free person within a traditional gluten-y brand, if I could call towards the yeah, series? Yeah, no, definitely. It's, um, so, so like I said, it's so I guess there's, there's two sides to it. One, there are lots of products that I can't try, so therefore I have to trust the judgment of my team, and then also we, we will research with consumers. But I guess also the other angle is, well, why wouldn't we be doing gluten-free products? Yeah. Like yeah. That? So, and, and, and those products, to be fair, it wasn't as if I initiated those projects. They already existed in the business, but I've definitely been an advocate to try and push them forward more quickly yeah. because... You know, we all know what it's like. There was times, well, certainly for me, there were times before I was diagnosed where I was, there were certain brands that I really loved and I loved eating. And the mm. second those brands are taken out, are taken away from me, that makes me quite sad. I don't want to necessarily have a special, quirky, gluten-free mm. brand. I just want to eat what everyone else eats. Yeah. yeah. So the idea of those brands being available and I can, I can, I can influence making those brands available to our our consumers, if you like, our yeah. free consumers, mm. is really quite an exciting thing for me to be able to push forward in the business. Yeah, I bet. And kind of where did the inspiration for the gluten-free products come from? Is it because Free From is kind of a growing market, would you say? Yeah, it's it's twofold, really. It's I mean, it, there is an obvious commercial opportunity yeah. insofar as, you know, we have got a, 
a great amount of fixture space in normal traditional cereals that we don't have in free from, and yet free from is growing probably three or five times faster than most other categories. Mm -hmm. Wow. So the idea that we don't have a presence in there commercially doesn't make much sense, but also from a personal perspective, I just want to make sure Dorset cereals is as available to as many people as possible, and that includes gluten-free customers. And the response we've had so far has been absolutely phenomenal. It's like, oh, oh my God, Dorset cereals now do gluten-free. Like, and particularly those people who used to have it in the past and yeah. then now can't. Mm-hmm. But to be back on the list, for the shopping list for them is quite exciting. I yeah, think. I think yeah. especially when people who've been more recently diagnosed it's great like you said just now like you miss those products that you kind of used to have for your breakfast every day so it's nice to have the alternative now um you mentioned about the growth of the free from sector be really interesting to hear your industry insights on that because obviously i i start to wonder whether gluten-free is like a healthy eating trend would die Mm. out and whether it would just be left to like us celiacs who had to eat it medically but it seems to be growing and growing there are more and more reasons why people Mm. decide to eat gluten-free so obviously Dorset cereals have identified that Mm. yeah so I I guess it's so it it, it is still growing massively and I think that we'll get to the point where um, retailers will have to think about because the reality of the space in the store is it, that that fixture can only grow so big. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, the way that they've helped us manage it is they've basically gone, if you take a Tesco, for example, they'll say everything gluten-free is all in one place. Right. So we know where to go and shop for it. We yeah. get excited about that bit at the yeah. back of the store. Yeah. And I can't wait the to corner. get there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think there will be a point in time where the only way it can grow beyond that will maybe be to integrate it into the normal fixtures. Now, how they mm, do that, I right. don't know. But I don't. See, from what we can see in terms of trends, we don't see that, that trend softening anytime soon. I mm-hmm. think it's still going to be more and more people, whether it's more people recognising they've got a problem and then going and getting diagnosed, or more people deciding as a personal choice to take gluten out of their diet, um, that there are still a lot of people who are, are going to be doing that. And then if you look at free from more broadly, vegan obviously then plays a role in that. Yes. And yeah. vegan is growing exponentially. And, and that, I think, is that is definitely not going to slow down. Because no, that is, that's on the up for sure. Well, it is. And I think it's from a number of different angles because I mm-hmm. think there's, the, there's the, the climate change and the sustainability angle as well as the personal mm-hmm. health angle. So yeah. um, I think that one's set to stay too. So I think free from is only going to get bigger. Because I personally always worry that veganism is going to bump out gluten-free and that you are going to end up with a free-from section that's loads of vegan products Mm. and then hardly any Mm gluten-free. So I hope you're right (laughs) and the gluten-free does stay because I love having the choice in supermarkets now. It makes such a difference. Yeah, it does. I was diagnosed 20 years ago Mm. and back then everything had to be bought on prescription. There was nothing. You were the same time, weren't you, Sarah? And yeah, it's really changed. You were basically getting, you got bread from the doctor, right? Yeah, yeah. so you used yeah. to get it on prescription, and I think there was a free, there wasn't a free from aisle, there was an end of an aisle which had like one loaf of bread, and that was it. Yeah. And it was like, you could or throw like it out of the wall and it'll bounce. Yeah. <laughs> or crumble. Yeah. Crumble, yeah. yeah. There was no happy medium. <laughs> You could only eat it, eat it if you toasted it, basically, yep. right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's still sort of the case. I know, in most it's, it's my habit yeah. as well. I always toast the bread yeah. just because oh, God, yeah. the fear and the memories of what it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you kind of mentioned a bit about approaching the development of, of the gluten-free cereals, the Dorset mm. cereals, manufacturing them. Mm. Mm. I'm assuming you're accredited by... Uh, we are, CEO. yeah. So we're Celiac UK, UK accredited. Yeah, yeah um, that was something that was personally obviously really important to yeah, me yeah. Um, that um, 
the, the process of doing that is obviously very robust, as you would expect, and that yeah. was very close to not allowing us to launch on time. So it'd be quite, yeah. Would you mind talking us through the process, yeah. if you're familiar with it? Like, so obviously I, not the details, yeah, but just generally so like I, how I'm they prove something so, so basically there will be, a, there's essentially an audit mm-hmm. that, that takes place of the manufacturing site to ensure that there is essentially very little chance or no chance of any cross-contamination. Yeah. Now, the, the partner that we use to manufacture the product basically sits on a gluten-free farm. Oh, wow. So, so the whole, what the is whole this site... Wondrous place? <laughs> I want to go. <laughs> the, so the whole site is, is essentially gluten-free and there is, is basically no chance of wow. contamination. So that gave us a lot of reassurance. We could have done it um, in some of the other sites that we use, but... but that there will always be that tiny chance of cross-contamination because you're working with other yeah. products mm. that either have got gluten in or working with oats that potentially could have been contaminated with um, yeah. with gluten um, as part of the supply chain. So, um, no, that's that's sort of the top level of the process, but, um, yeah, it was an absolute must for us to have as, as part of the launch plan. Yeah, and so did you have to go and, like, find this specifically gluten-free site to manufacture that? Yeah, so we... we dream farm. Yeah. <laughs> we'll call it that. The gluten-free dream farm was... Um, <laughs> yeah, it was... The, we did a lot of research. We spoke to a lot of different people, and, and these guys um, came back definitely as being the best partners to work with. So, um, no, we're really excited, and, and there's other products that we can potentially develop with them in the future, which is also <gasps> quite exciting, which we can't Ooh. tell you about yet. Can you tell us about it after this interview? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and I can. And then we have an O'Crumbs exclusive down the line, please. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> so is there anything else you have to take into account to be able to say that something is gluten-free? Um, so that's a good question. So, that, I mean, that again, that it then follows into the, the supply chain if you think mm. of all the individual ingredients. So obviously Dorset is... One of the key things about Dorset cereals is we are um, we pride ourselves on having amazing recipes that are really carefully developed, and we take a long time developing them. But as a result of that, they have lot, quite a lot of what we call inclusions or ingredients. So mm-hmm. um, they will have lots of different fruit sources. They will have nuts and seeds. So you have to ensure that all of those different ingredients come from essentially a gluten-free supply chain yeah, source. So right. there is a lot of due diligence that goes into every single part of it. And then obviously the oats that we buy, fortunately the oats that are um, grown and then milled on that same... Um, gluten-free dream farm. Dream farm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, there, there is a lot of what, and this has probably been... I think this we've been maybe two years in wow. development for this, so um, to make sure all of those boxes are ticked. So, yeah, it's a lot That's of planning great. just for us to be able to eat some cereal. I know. It's like really <laughs> special. I'm like, oh yay! You should literally see how much of that stuff I go through on a weekly basis. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I ask you a question about cost? Because what we get asked a lot mm. by followers is why gluten-free products are more expensive than mm. their gluten equivalents. Mm. Um, I mean, my understanding is it tends to be like scales of production and so forth, but can you tell us a bit more for the official uh, view? Yeah, so that, I mean, essentially it follows on from what I was just saying. If you think about all of the, so you have to be very specific with the suppliers you use, you have to uh, be very specific about the manufacturing Mm -hmm. methods you use, Mm -hmm. and as a result of that, there are additional costs associated with doing that. You know, buying gluten-free oats is significantly more expensive than buying non-gluten-free oats. And that's because of the process that they've gone through to ensure that they are gluten-free. So the, the facts of the matter are that it, it just costs a lot more to make them and therefore 
commercially, just being completely honest about it, you still got to make your money out yeah. of the product yeah. that you sell, so therefore it has to be marginally more expensive. Yeah. So do you like see that, obviously, if the free-to-run market continues to grow, there is a chance that prices might start to drop down the line? Yeah, I think so. I think the, the challenge will be, is, is it will be a supply, a supply and demand kind yeah. of challenge because you, you may well actually get to the point where you, the demand will be such that the supply won't be big enough to de- deal with, and actually that would drive prices yeah. up. So oh. unless there were more people oh, yeah. doing it, creating and manufacturing those ingredients, mm. you could find it go the other way. Okay. Um, but I would like to think that all of those manufacturers see that as an opportunity to expand their business. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I would probably say in the medium term, I wouldn't see prices changing dramatically. So stockpile your cereal. <laughs> Get them in now. <laughs> Before Brexit hits, yeah. then we'll do. Don't mention the B word, Laura. <laughs> it's all good. They're all manufactured in the UK. So no issues with, with supply whatsoever. <laughs> Excellent. That's reassuring. Uh, so no, but that is interesting to hear that basically if the base gluten-free oats are expensive, it's going to mm. make your end gluten-free product more expensive. And yeah. I think people can understand that. Yeah. So. Sarah, have you got any more questions? I know. I think we, we just got one more question we want to ask you, which we're asking all our guests. Okay. Um, so what one pearl of wisdom would you share with our followers about either celiac disease or being gluten-free? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Thanks. We wrote it ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> the O'Crum signature question. Yeah. Um, we well, never prep people either. We're like, go Yeah, in. good. That's <laughs> a, so I, I guess... Um, so I'll give you an example uh, or a, a pearl of wisdom from eating out, I suppose. Yeah. So my view would be always approach everyone with a healthy air of cynicism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because That's because true. the reality is, so I was in uh, Worthing a couple of weekends ago. I made it very clear I was celiac. Um, I specifically said that I wanted a, basically a full English. I wanted to be absolutely confident that everything was gluten-free. He assured me it was. And what came out was and full English with a sausage and with some toast. Um. And I was pretty certain the toast didn't look gluten-free. Um, mm. So I double-checked and both the sausage and the toast had gluten in. Oh, um, no. And so I guess what I guess what I'm saying is that um, a lot of people still don't really understand gluten. Yeah. Definitely don't understand celiac very well. So um, check, double-check, triple-check because you know what the outcome will be if you end up yeah. eating. And yeah. the more of us asking those questions, that's exactly. going to help other people as well because it will make it's often like an honest mistake made by restaurants. Completely. And maybe they've got some a new front of house person or a new chef. So yeah, we can all help each other by feeding back. Completely. Definitely. <laughs> David, thank you so much for coming to meet us. No it's been really interesting. Yeah, so interesting to hear about like, the manufacturing side as well, and we're loving what you're doing at Dorset Cereals. So cool. Thanks for thinking. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> <you>. <laughs> all right. I found that so interesting hearing from David, like yes. getting the insights um, into like behind the scenes on the manufacturing of gluten-free products, hearing about the gluten-free dream farm. Oh, I can't wait to go one day. <laughs> Can we set up our own gluten-free dream farm? I think we should. I think you have to move to Devon and we'll just do it. Like my life career goals. Ooh. Yeah. But sorry, but <laughs> seriously though, like as a consumer, I think a lot of the time we don't see like the behind the scenes. So yeah. like, it was great to hear from David. It was nice for him to be like so candid with us as well. 
Definitely, and I think it was also really interesting to hear his personal story, and it's kind of a really good reminder that if you think you have got symptoms of celiac disease, definitely go to your doctor and get tested before you give up gluten, because that way you can get a diagnosis and you won't have to reintroduce gluten to your diet or anything like that. So that was like a really important takeaway. Yeah, exactly. And as we've repeatedly said in this series, <laughs> like feel confident as well to push yes. your doctor for like don't let them just tell you to maybe go gluten free like if you think you should be tested for celiac disease like you tell them that yeah definitely so we've got details of our competition coming up but first Woo-hoo. we want to tell you about next week's guest yeah we've got the wonderful ellie adams but you might know her better as l next door l blogs about travel fashion and lifestyle but she also happens to have celiac disease We had a great chat with her all about her diagnosis story, how celiac disease have essentially shaped her entire career path. Um, She told us some uh, great anecdotes from her travels, gave us an insight into the colourful world of Elle Next Door. Um, And it's definitely an episode not to be missed. Yeah, I think we could have talked to her all day, really. She was so interesting. I know, it was just so easy to chat. We had to go and hang out with her afterwards because we had so many more questions to ask her. (laughs) So, I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll get her back again in the future. Maybe. So, we will see you guys next week. Don't miss that episode. Thanks again to Dorset Cereals for sponsoring this episode of O'Crumbs. We love their new gluten-free muesli flavours and their breakfast on the slow philosophy. Now their gluten-free muesli comes in blissful berry and tasty tropical. Both flavours are certified by Celiac UK and available in the freeform section of selected Asda and Waitrose stores now. If you'd like to be in with a chance to win one of five Dorset cereal hampers containing both gluten-free flavours, a mug and a bowl, then head over to our Instagram page now for details on how to enter. Um, yeah, so I'll link to the show note. I'll link. <laughs> <laughs>